As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Another episode of the Infinite Banter Podcast. What is good? I am Mark Jolliffe, also known as DJ Soundwave. Thanks for checking out the show. Got a big one today. Got a legend in the game. Somebody that has been in this hip-hop thing for a long time. Seen it from the beginning all the way till now. The one and only Spider-D is here. Man, this is exciting. I remember as a kid when I first started hearing hip-hop joints on the radio and that song, I Can't Wait to Rock the Mic, came on. I was like, "That's this is crazy. This is so damn good." <laughs> I'm, I'm really feeling this this stuff, man. And it it, it took me. I mean, I was uh, engulfed by hip hop, and uh, he's one of the the legends in the game. And was somebody doing music way before a lot of the artists that you even are familiar with were putting stuff out there. So let's talk to him. Talk about his career in the game. He's got new music coming out. We talk about basketball. He had an ABA team. He was on stage before Run DMC did some of their most legendary first appearances in New York. This is just uh, its a lot to talk about, and definitely stay tuned for that. It's a lot of fun talking with Spider-D. He has a lot to talk about. A lot of history in there. Definitely want to give a big shout-out to my last two guests on my last two episodes, Choco Valens and Ulysses before him. Go back and check out those episodes. And usually what I do here is I'll play a flashback from the last episode. But I'm going to do it a little bit different because it's Friday the 13th. It's my favorite holiday. No, it's not It's not even a holiday, but two or three times a year, you know, the 13th and Friday line up on the calendar. And I'm a huge Jason Voorhees fan, Friday the 13th. I love those movies. Anybody who knows me knows how big of a fan I am of that franchise. So I got the opportunity way back, like episode 22, and I got to interview Tommy McLaughlin, who directed and wrote Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. That episode is called Halloween Havoc. Had a great time talking with him, and 
you know, I love the Friday the 13th series. You know, part two is probably the best movie. You know, part four is really good. You know, the first one always is uh, such a great way to introduce the series. And But I've always liked part six. You know, there's a difference between your favorites and what you think is the best. Part six is probably my favorite, but I know it's not the best one, but I just happen to like it the most. I think it might be the time where I was in my childhood watching slasher flicks or <laughs> whatever. But what I'm going to do here is I'm going to throw a flashback from Tommy McLaughlin talking about, you know, working with, you know, the Jason character because his background was in miming. And Jason doesn't talk. So how did you meld those two aspects together? And he talks about how he, he took the miming background that he had and used it to help him direct the Jason character for his movie, Friday 13 Part 6. So here's a flashback all the way back, episode 22, well, over two years ago. But I had a blast talking to Tommy here. So here we go. Flashback. Go back and check out that episode. Happy Friday the 13th. Don't go to Crystal Lake. Don't do any camping because Jason's out there. All right, here we go. (laughs) Flashback, Tommy McLaughlin, episode 22 on Friday the 13th, Infinite Banter Podcast. This thing with, the, with the, obviously with Jason was, you know, trying to find moments of expression, you know, with a character that doesn't doesn't speak. Some of it is just the way he, you know, reacts to something, um, the slowness of, of his head moving up or tilting to the side, trying to understand something or the speed of which, you know, he goes after certain things and other things that where he, he walks more in a kind of a stalking fashion so you know all, all of that was part of the you know kind of knowing physical training and understanding you know how to communicate with it and there's that really cool scene when he uh <laughs> confronting the paintballers the scene has him holding the the machete and you pan down and then there's the full arm and he's kind of looking at it like eh, okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a funny moment <laughs> yeah i don't know I, I need this but i don't need this attached to it <laughs> So definitely go back and check out that episode with Tommy McLaughlin, episode 22. Man, I hope they make another Friday the 13th movie. No reboots, no remakes. Just do something cool. Kind of like what the Halloween franchise has done. Just pick up the story where, where one of the movies left off. It's fine. People can go back and watch. They don't have to see the whole origin story again. Stop doing those. Don't do a reboot. Tommy actually talked about having Jason in the snow. And I'm down for that. You know, Have him like Captain America or something. Have him frozen in ice. He thaws out in Alaska or something, and there's like a you know a snow expedition or something, or ice fishing guys, and he slaughters all of them but one, and then you know they get back at the end. Do something like that. Have him be like Captain America. He's frozen in ice. He's been in there all this time. He thaws out because of climate change, <laughs> and then he comes out. He's in the snow. That would be pretty damn cool. Doing a lot of work here, trying to bring this good content to you guys. So definitely, after you play this one, go check out some of the past episodes as well. And then when you do, rate and review it. Go on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and rate and review the show. Might as well get into all the other stuff. You can find the show on all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Infinite Banter Podcast. You can also hear the show on all the streaming platforms like iTunes and CastBox, Spreaker, and Spotify. And if you go on Spotify, there's also a playlist dedicated to anybody who's been on the show. If they have a song out, they put out music, they have a track in the playlist. I think it's almost 10 hours long now. <laughs> it just keeps growing and growing. So definitely go check that out. And you can also go on YouTube and you'll find uh, clips from past guests and things of that nature. So just type in Infinite Banter in the search. All right, let's talk to Spider-D. Oh, yeah, one quick thing. After the Spider-D interview and everything, I, f- I had free HBO and Showtime, which maybe some of you had, during Mother's Day weekend, which is great because I got to watch things I haven't seen. Uh, there's a new Cypress Hill documentary. I got to watch, uh, what else did I see? I tried to watch Batman, but I don't have three hours to watch it. 
I had to pick and choose. I had to pick my battles. <laughs> I already seen Batman, so it wasn't that crucial to watch it. But uh, I'm a huge fan of Dexter, one of my favorite series of all time. It hasn't been on for about going on 10 years. They, they ended the show some time ago, and it came back. It's been on Showtime for a better part of, uh, I don't know, six, seven months. Well, I made myself sit and watch all of it. And it made me think of Tribe Called Quest. And you might be like, what the hell is he talking about? Well, this is a teaser. And you want to know why I'm comparing those two? Why am I comparing Dexter to Tribe Called Quest? Go all the way to the end of the episode and you'll, you'll hear why. I'll try to make you guys listen to the whole thing. It's an old radio trick. Time spent listening. All right, let's get into it. Spider D is here. Let's talk to Spider D about everything he's been doing in his life and his career. And then some here on the Infinite Banter Podcast. But just like it used to be, Spider-D would come on stage and Run-DMC would come on afterwards. Well, DMC's coming on right here. So Spider-D is coming up after DMC. We're going to flip it a little bit. <laughs> so the show never starts to the one and only, the king from Queens, DMC, says this. Yo, yo, what's up? This is me, DMC, the K-I-N-G, the greatest MC in history. And right now, you're listening to Infinite Banter, because we will banter on forever, because this is the only place for all of y'all to ever be. I be Infinite Banter. So before we talk to Spider-D, let's go ahead and play a track. This is Smurfy's Dance, came out in 1982. One of the earlier songs that he came out with and definitely was a hit. He talks about this song a lot in the interview, how we performed this song before Run DMC came out on stage. And of course, everybody knows that dance, the Smurf. I remember as a kid, uh, the BC Boys, uh, they talked about it. Got to the party and I did the Smurf. I don't think I could do it anymore. I, I joke about it with Spider-D. I don't think I have the... <laughs> I don't think I have it in me to do any kind of dances let alone the Smurf. But nonetheless, let's play the track itself. Smurfy's Dance from Spider-D. And then after this, we'll talk to the man himself about everything he's been seeing in his life and career in the, the game of hip-hop. But here we go. Spider-D, Smurfy's Dance on the Infinite Banter Podcast. Start doing that dance. Let's go. And if you're feeling footloose and fancy 
fancy free I take a step back and forth I shuffle your feet I put it all together And you're doing the smirk The hottest new dance in the universe so Yes, yes, y'all You don't stop Let's smirk it up You see, it's time to rock Yes, yes, y'all You don't quit If you were looking for a party This is it Tuned into the Infinite Banter Podcast. I am DJ Soundwave, and right now, I'm just mad geek for this one. I'm joined by a true legend in the game, known for iconic songs like Big Apple Rappin', Smurfy's Dance, I Can't Wait to Rock the Mic, In the Place to Be. Welcome to the show, the one and only Spider D. What's going on, Spider D? Peace, man. Peace. I I appreciate you having me on, and uh, hopefully I can shed some insight on some things. Oh, man. I, I know you've got insight and then some. So <laughs> as long as you've been in the game, man, I'm, I'm just mad geek to talk to you, dude. I appreciate you coming on here. I'll just get right into it. You know, the name Spider-D, I've always wondered, how'd you come up with that, man? Because I'm a big Spider-Man head. I don't know if that's connected to it, but I've always wondered how you came up with that name. Nah, well, uh, the name Spider actually was more about my body and my spindly legs and arms. I see. When I was coming up playing basketball on the playgrounds of New York. And then I used to copy uh, my favorite player, Earl Pearl Monroe. I used to copy his patented spin move. Nice. So all of that came together. It's like I was spinning a web when I would do my spin move. So the nickname Spider, um, S-P-I-D-E-R, was 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Labeled to me on the playgrounds of New York City as a basketball player, when I decided to get into hip hop and, and MCing and rapping, I changed the spelling to S P Y D E R, and then I added the D, which is the initial of my middle name, Dwayne. And there was born Spider D, the rapper. Man, that's crazy, man! How good was your game? How how? how <laughs> and can you still ball? Do you still play? I- no, nah, I'm I'm 62 now. The last time <laughs> I played, like I was managing Hot Sauce from An One fame, famous streetballer from An One, and uh, we went to a place famous here in Atlanta for playing ball. To, uh, they used to call it the run and shoot, and we were playing a full court game. Actually, it was Hot Sauce and the professor, I believe, was playing in this particular game. I was playing with them, and uh, I'm running up and down the court, and about the fourth time down, <laughs> oh damn, <laughs> my hamstring, my hamstring locked up, and I couldn't move. And it was then that I officially retired from the game of basketball. Oh wow! Um, I couldn't do it. My my body, I was just too out of shape. You know, I um, fortunately because of earning money in the music business, I was able to take my love of basketball to a different level. Um, I owned a, a team in the uh, American Bas- Basketball Association, the ABA, the old red, white, and blue ball of Dr. J days. Right. I bought a franchise there. And then a year later, we moved into the CBA, which at the time was like the D-League now. It was like the feeder league for the NBA. And we had former NBA All-Star Kenny Anderson from uh, the Nets as our coach. Uh, Vincent Smith, the brother of Kenny the Jet Smith from NBA's TNT, former NBA champion himself, his brother taught. His brother, his brother's called the architect. He taught Kenny Anderson and Kenny the Jet Smith and a lot of other uh, New York high school stars 
including uh, my man from the Lakers, uh, Lamar Odom was another one of his pupils. Right. So we we had an iconic team, you know, with with some ball players that were uh, pretty well known. Um, when we had the ABA team in Charlotte, North Carolina, I gave the team a, a hip hop nickname. We were the Charlotte Crunk. That's great. And we had we had a gentleman named Ricky Clemens who was actually from the University of Missouri and was the leading scorer in the nation at a time. Uh, he he was a phenomenal player. Not big, he's like barely six feet, but he could pull up, you know, like Steph Curry style, and he was dropping bombs from everywhere. So I was able to kind of live out my basketball dreams through music by being able to afford to buy a team and to own a team. Uh, But when I was in high school in in, um, New York, my senior year, I made honorable mention for all Queens um, public school athletic league. And I played for uh, Richmond Hill high school and we weren't very good. We had a small team. You know, I, I mean myself, I was five, eight, I was center was uh was barely six three. Oh wow you know it was it was tall for us right everybody on our team was small <laughs> but the other teams in our division had we were playing against people that were six eight six nine oh, good luck with that six ten yeah yeah so we was we were getting crushed <laughs> i did you know i did i did fairly well i averaged 18 points a game in my senior year and had a a career high against the best team in our division, which was Andrew Jackson High School. I think I hit 30 against them. But we got crushed. I hit 30, but we got beat by six. <laughs> <laughs> what would have been worse that's, that's, if you didn't? <laughs> that's how That's how bad it was. It would have been 90. Um, you know? Man. But, I mean, like, I knew all of the guys from Andrew Jackson because I played against them in summer ball. So they knew of my capabilities. I knew it is. Our basketball team was mainly made up of baseball players. That that was the reason why we weren't that good. Right. The guys on my team was mainly, uh, and let me give you a little demographic. In New York City at the time, 1977, 78, Richmond Hill, Queens, is 90% Caucasian. And... I Most see. of the African American kids that went to Richmond Hill were actually coming from Brooklyn. Strangely enough, it was zoned kind of different. And most of the Brooklyn kids that could play ball didn't go to class. You know, so <laughs> right. They would mess it <laughs> up later. They weren't even eligible. Right. They were they weren't even eligible to try out cuz you know, you had to have like a at least a 65 average and you know most of those kids was hanging out in the bathroom getting weeded up and they didn't go to class so right we had a bad team but um you know i love ball that was my that was my first love before music or anything was basketball that's great and uh so that's how the nickname spider came about and when i went to eventually meet and maybe I'm preempting some of your questions. No, go for but it. But how I got how I got uh to another level was meeting Vaughn Mason 
uh, bounce rock, skate roll thing. Um, I heard that record on 107.5 WBLS in New York. Classic. Um, Frankie, Frankie Crocker um, played the record bounce rock, skate roll. And of course, it was very reminiscent of Sheik's uh, Good Times, which to me is what evolutionized, or I should say revolutionized hip hop because, you know, everybody was trying to rap over good times. So when Bounce, Rock, Skate, Roll came out as a derivative of Sheik's Good Times, you know, when I first heard that record, I was like, I'm going to recreate this beat and this bass line, and that's what I want to make my original rap demo off of. So long story short, once Frankie Crocker said the name Bounce Rock, I mean, uh, Vaughn Mason and crew, I automatically assumed this was a New York-based group because of the and crew. It just sounded like, yeah, that's got to be New York. That's a New York right. group because of that name, Vaughn Mason and crew. Strangely enough, I was right. Um, they were based in mainly... New York, New Jersey area. I found a way to meet Vaughn Mason by dealing with uh, or having a, a person that I knew in the uh, cable network business. And he arranged to do a video shoot for Vaughn. At the time, Vaughn was making the album to Bounce Rock Skate Roll, and he was at a studio in Brooklyn. So Long story short, I traveled out to Brooklyn to meet him. I played him my demo. He liked it, and he invited me to his home, which was in, at the time, East Arms, New Jersey. And Vaughn had just purchased a brand new Roland Uh 808. Get out. Brand new TR-808 drum machine. Man, the backbone right there. And he allowed me to go in his basement and play with it. And when I say play with it, that's really what it was I was doing because I didn't know anything about the machine, but the time that he allowed me to go and just do my thing with it, I learned the machine practically overnight because once he let me into the basement, I didn't leave the basement. I just stayed down there. And that's how I came up with the beat for Smurfy's Dan. You know, with the tap, 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 boom, 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 boom. Oh my God. It was like, man, I, I couldn't, it was like I was a kid in a toy factory with that drum machine. No doubt. So anyway. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> um, on, on, on my original, on my original demo, of course, it was featuring Vaughn and them's bass line. And then I came up with a derivative of that. And Vaughn Mason's bass, I mean, not bass, drummer for the for the uh, group was Butch Dale. Um, Butch Dale was their drummer, but Butch Dale um, was a master keyboardist as well. So I ended up, when we finally got into the studio, and I remember this stuff like it was yesterday. We went into a studio in New Jersey called Ears. And um, Ball Mason played guitar. 
of course, I had already laid the drum machine beat on the TR-808 drum machine. And then Butch Dale played the keyboard. So he listened to me hum the bass line out to him. And then he added his little flair to it. And that is, we didn't finish it the first day. Um, I laid the vocals down. Vaughn thought, you know, let's lay everything down and kind of take take it home and live with it for a day or so and then come back and mix it. And that's how we came up with Smurfies. And, you know, I didn't really want to rap about the Smurf dance. Vaughn Mason kind of insisted upon that. Right. I didn't want to rap about a dance because dances in New York came and went. As a matter of fact, by the time we cut Smurfy's dance, the Webo had already like overtaken the Smurf as the. It wasn't cool dance. anymore, right? <laughs> no, nah, I mean it was. You know, dances don't last long, right? You know, people come up with dances like you know, especially in a place like New York with so many different clubs and you know all the different boroughs doing their own versions of a dance. But one thing I will say to Vaughn. If he were here, God rest his soul, Vaughn passed away a couple of years ago. The dance hadn't, the dance craze about the Smurf hadn't yet swept the nation. So that that was something that, you know, being a, a young uh, artist like I was, I didn't really realize that, that, you know, New York isn't the only place where people is going to learn about the Smurf. So to Vaughn's credit, I get credit to this day at starting the Smurf dance craze. It's funny how in this business, things can work themselves out. But anyway, that was my that was my foray uh, into stardom in the music business, aided by Vaughn Mason and Butch Dale of uh, Vaughn Mason and crew. And, you know, without those two, um, I don't know if Spider-D becomes uh no no doubt salute to both of them and they're definitely influential like you said and i'm trying to remember like back in the day you probably were the first one to have a dance song right because you know later on you had like the peewee dance and so like everybody had one song on their record about a dance craze or something you know the smurfy one might be the first one i recall is that is that right what do you think is that the first one um i'm I'm not really sure that may be i never right. really thought about that like that right but that was, let's see, that was 1982 when we went in the studio. Right. The record came out, technically the record came out right after New Year's 1983. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Wow, that's like. 40, that's almost 40 years Isn't that ago, crazy, man. dude? That's crazy. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. crazy. <laughs> it's, and I'm trying to remember how the Smurf dance went. Ago. Oh, shit, man. I mean, it's, like you said. It, 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 you know what? They have, they have, because uh, the last couple of times I had to do some shows, I had to look it up <laughs> just to remember how to do it myself. And, uh. It was funny. It was funny. They they got videos on YouTube Uh-oh. showing how to do it. Is it okay if we watch? Is it course, embarrassing? You know, <laughs> well, if you saw me do it, it would be That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, mean, I did a show for uh, Sal Abateo and the Disco Fever. Oh, wow. We had a Disco Fever reunion. And, you know, I was showing the crowd once again how the, how my version of the Smurf was. And uh, it, it was like, I'm I'm up here doing the dance and I'm like, you know, in my late 50s, like, <laughs> you know, embarrassed. <laughs> I was going to say, was it like basketball where you did? You're like, oh, my hamstrings hurt. I can't do this it's anymore. like, yo, dude, you're like 50-something years old up here doing a 40-year-old dance. You know, this is like truly, but I was getting paid. So. There you go. You know, like it bounced out. That, that when I thought about that aspect of it, I was like, okay, well, I need this check to clear. So let me let me finish doing this Smurf dance here. There you go. But man. you know, it, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's funny how the business has you know transformed over the past few years. Yeah, no doubt, man. And you know, I I hate dancing. I'm not good at it. But if you gave me money, I, I'll I'll try to do the Smurf. Sure. And you know, <laughs> the version you're doing is the original one, in my opinion, because you have a song about it. So anybody who questions whether you're doing it right, uh, you're the one with the song. So you're the authority. No, no doubt. No <laughs> but doubt. Uh, I just saw recently, Karis One has a song dedicated to like some of the old dance moves and such. And I don't remember if he talked about the Smurf dance, but. He needs to do another version where he includes that one. He had a Dougie in there and a couple other ones. But, uh, yeah, salute to the Smurf dance, man. I need to look that up and see if I could do it. I, I'm, I'm over 40. I, I'm, I'm out of shape, man, so I don't think I could do it. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you said the Dougie because the same thing kind of happened with Dougie Fresh. He got credit for starting the Dougie only because his name was Dougie Fresh. Doug, who is an incredible entertainer, he he was doing his version of the Dougie, and he got credit for the dance. Right. You know? And uh, Dougie's one of my good friends, really nice individual, and a very talented man. The greatest entertainer, as he calls Without himself. a doubt. And he's, he's still doing his thing at his advanced age. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, Chill Will you on know? here last year. We were talking about the Dougie, and I was like, I can't do that either. <laughs> and he was like, me either. <laughs> 
Wow, Chill Will, Barry B, all these cats I came up with in the business. Man. Really I mean, good people, man. I know you got some stories about those early that days. We've lost a few. Oh my God. It's it's Yeah, uh, man. I mean, shows back in those days, you know, shows back in those days, we were basically we were young men, you know, just just becoming young men from just being kids. And this was something that we just loved to do, you know, way before hip hop was on wax. Um, the fact that it got into the phase of on wax because of Sugar Hill Records and Enjoy Records and all those early labels. And then actually, you know, before I did Smurfy's Dance, I pressed my own record, uh, Big Apple Rapping. And that song came about because I was away in school in um, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. And I was homesick. So right. that's what made me write about <clears throat> that's what made me make big apple rapping because i was reminiscing about new york it was the first time i had been away from home oh wow in my life you know my first year in college so i i was homesick so i was writing about home that's what made me do big apple rapping and you know we we ended up recording at a studio right near the university of michigan in ann arbor michigan and uh, all the musicians were from Detroit. That's crazy. So, you know, here's a New York kid. Right. And, you know, uh, again, I'm humming out. I hummed out the bass line to the bass player. You know, I kind of did a little half-ass beatbox to the drummer, <laughs> you know, to so he can, you know, get a feel for the kind of beat I wanted behind. It was very raw in terms of production because as a producer, I was brand new to the game, and I I had no idea what a producer's job was. Um, I just know what I heard in my head, and I wanted to try to convey it to the musicians as best I can, and then hope their interpretation of what I'm telling them comes close to what I want. And, you know, if, if you don't know how to play an instrument, that's the best you're going to get, because when you say something to another musician, it has to go through their head. They have to interpret it, but they're not going to play it how you would have played it because they're interpreting what you want right. as opposed to if if it was coming out of my body, I'm playing it just the way I want. Right. They're asking about notes and stuff. And so I'm like, it, I don't, <laughs> what's a note, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. And you know, like I, I can play a keyboard. Oh, no, let me change that. I can program a keyboard, but I couldn't sit up and, you know, take two hands and play you uh, or, or be on stage and play live. I couldn't do it. I'd have to program it and where the sequencer is actually playing it and I'm sitting there fronting like I'm playing it. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> That's the best I can do, Man. you know? There you go, man. And it's crazy to me to think about that. So the song Big Apple Rapping was while you were in Detroit. That that just blows my mind a little bit there. I was like, I, that that's crazy. That was why I named the label New Troy, because I combined where I was from with where I was at. Nice. So it became New Troy. And um, that was the whole concept behind starting that label. And then my mother... God rest her soul, gave me $1,200 to press the record. 
And, you know, I'm like a 19-year-old kid, but, you know, I was her son. She believed in me. She believed in what I was doing. And, you know, back then, man, $1,200 is a lot of money man. for a single mom. I'm telling just you. To, just to be handing over to a kid to start a business, and he knows zero about the distribution of a 12-inch record. I knew zero about that. Man. But, you know... God bless our soul. My mom's believed in me. Yeah, support. And uh, wow. that's huge. Yeah, so that, that's technically what got me to the point of being able to meet a Vaughn Mason was uh, doing Big Apple rapping in 1980. And then when I met Vaughn Mason, I met Vaughn Mason in 1980. But it took us two years before, you know, because Vaughn was busy. It took him close to two years to finally get me in the studio. So from the time from Big Apple rapping on my own label, Detroit Records, to going in the studio with Vaughn Mason was a period of two years. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't all gravy. It was a lot of bad times and broke times during this. Right. But that just made, made me hungrier as an artist and more determined as a producer slash entrepreneur. And the beautiful thing about all of that was I got to meet a lot of now iconic, like, for example, Africa Bambata came down to my office slash apartment in Queens um, because he wanted to sign with Nutroit Records. Can you imagine Man. that? Yeah, dude. A legend like Africa Bambata wanted to sign with my label. Um it's crazy. And when when he came down to meet me, he met my mother, and to this day, and I know Africa Bambada has had his share of controversy over the last several years, but here's what I'll say to that. The relationship, he always asked me about my mother every time I've spoken to Africa Bambada, and she always asked me about him when she was alive. And for that reason and that reason alone, Africa Bambada will always be one of my favorite people um, regardless of the controversy right. over what uh, has been said over the last several years. But Bambada wanted to sign with New Troy, and I told him that I was honored, but that, you know, I'm just a kid. And I'm like, you're a legend. I'm just a kid, right? you know, barely 20 years old, starting this label. And uh, I, I told him I thought we would do him a disservice. If I had to do all over again, I'd say African <laughs> change it I can't even I can't even imagine what new Detroit records would be today wow. had we signed and put out Africa Bambada and the Soul Sonic Forces subsequent records as they ended up you know obviously signing with Tommy Boy and putting out major hits but um yeah man it's it's I've been blessed to be a part of Hip hop on wax, anyway, in its growing uh, phase, its infancy, if you will, and starting New Detroit Records was, I won't say a stroke of genius, it was more born out of desperation. And shout out to uh, one Mr. Tito Lewis, who I uh, knew from Detroit, and he was older than me, slightly older. And he helped me start New Troy Records. 
so many stories and tangents I could go off into regarding <laughs> I bet. he and I uh, and our relationship. But anyway, man, that you know, that's kind of the, the roots of, of how all of this got started. And, um, you know, again, working with, you know, people like DJ Molly Maul. You know, I can name, just keep naming people. DJ Doc, Ivan Rodriguez. One of the greatest producers, DJs of all time right there. Talk about how you guys first met. Well, he came uh, when I was signed to Russell Simmons Rush Productions Artist Management. Doc had come up to the office. Curtis Blow, my man, Curtis Blow, who I just talked to or texted with the other day. Uh, Curtis Blow used to get most of the demos that would come into Russell's office. Russell would give them to Curtis first and let Curtis listen to him and decide whether he wanted to work with the artist or not. So most of the things that Curtis would turn down would get passed on to me. Oh, I see. I see. You'd get the uh, the leftovers. You know, I, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, I get Kurt Kurt's hand me down. Oh but, man. But there's probably some gems in there, but, right? Uh, some real talent in there that maybe got overlooked. Oh, no question. Yeah. Well, you know, Kurt. Yeah. Kurt was Kurt was hot. Kurt right. was hot. He, he was way hot. King of rap him, at so the time. Kurt yeah. didn't really have time. Yeah, he didn't have time for all that. Kurt was doing sold out arena shows and right. stadiums and whatnot back then. So, you know, I got a hold of Doc's uh original demo. I didn't think it was great, but I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was that bad. And it was different because it was from a Latin flavor. His MC uh, was uh, Latin. And uh, then I, I went on to find out that Doc had just graduated from the Audio Institute of Technology, um, which is a big deal. So this kid had graduated from learning how to be a recording engineer and he was a DJ, which I thought was a very unique combination to invoke into the genre of hip hop. And so that was how I met Doc. And again, I was recording at uh, Power Play Studios. So I told Doc, you know, if he wanted a job, I'd introduce him to Tony. Arfi, the owner of Power Play Studios, and you know it, he would definitely be a help to the studio because most of the right. engineers at Power Play were rock and roll engineers; they weren't hip hop engineers. <laughs> right. So, so here we have a, a, a Latin kid who's graduated engineering school and is a DJ. He'd be the perfect combination to work at Power Play as power play was transitioning from a rock and roll rehearsal studio into a hip hop catered recording studio. So that was like perfect. Doc started doing KRS-One, EPMD, MC Light. List, man. Uh, it, 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 it was like everybody came to power play because they wanted the sound that Doc was engineering for the groups that I just named. And that's big and too, right? Because Doc power, was trained, like you said, he had an education and in a lot of a lot of that early he, hip hop, right? It's kind he, of learning on trial trial by error. He knew how to 
like, for example, me, I began engineering with none of the knowledge Doc had. I was what you call a trial by error engineer. I just turned the knob one way to the other until it sounded (laughs) right. Yeah. Doc already knew where to turn the knob. You know, he already knew how to set the EQs. He already knew how to block out noise using noise gates and all of these technical jargon that I had no idea. He knew about decibel levels. I didn't know a decibel (laughs) from a crescent. There you go. (laughs) It's like a Jedi master in there, man. I was strictly by ear. I did everything by ear. And Doc could take what I could hear by ear and translate it into an actual audio signal by knowing where to turn the knob. So, you know, it just goes to show you in this music business, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Like you got some, you got some musicians who can't read music, but they can play you up under the table, playing a bass, a keyboard, a guitar, whatever. Don't know how to read the music on a music chart, but they can play it. Like, uh, for example, Davey DMX, my uh, childhood school and classmate. Davey can pick up anything and play it. I've never seen anybody like him. You could hum something to Davey, and he'd go play it just as you hummed it to him. It wouldn't even be his interpretation. It'd be just like you hummed it to him, and he could play it on any instrument. I've never seen anything like how he can do it. He was just born naturally talented yeah. as a musician. And, you know, D- Davey, of course, ended up being Curtis Blow's DJ. He ended up making the classic. In fact, that's how I got to Power Play Studios. Davey D did one for the treble at Power Play Studios. I think that might have been the first hip-hop record recorded at Power Play Studios. That's really what started it all. Right. One for the treble. Davey played everything on One for the Treble. He did everything but the girl's voice saying, Davey D, you are the best. That's the only thing Davey didn't do on that record. He played all of the instruments. He did all of the scratching. Uh, He basically uh, co-engineered the project along with Julian Hertzfeld, um, who was the engineer of choice that I chose at Power Play. Um, for most of my projects before I learned how to engineer and before Doc came in, it's, I've, I've had, I've been blessed, man. I've had a, a, an incredible uh, bunch of people around me that made me better, that taught me. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the great disco era producer patrick adams he could play everything he just played patrick adams was playing guitar for quincy jones when he was 17 18 years old that's how great he is yeah but he also knew now he didn't go to school for audio engineering but he was like a cross between me and doc he knew where to go with the buttons but he also had this very uh powerful ear um so you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat, so to speak, and that's uh has a lot to do with hip hop and you know, rappers improvising, whether it's on stage, um, during a live performance or it's in the studio. Um, 
Eric B and Rock Kim was another group that recorded that power play. I mean, we had just about everybody in power play. We even had R. Kelly. Oh, wow. We had R. Kelly before he was R. Kelly. <laughs> right. We had R. Kelly when he was part of a group called Public Announcement. I remember. And I'm in Chicago. That was a big deal when he came out with them. Yeah, that's true. No doubt. Yeah. And he recorded that power play. Let me tell you something. Before power play uh, finally closed its doors, there was a master tape that was being housed there that had Biggie, Fox, Nas and Stretch from the Live Squad. Stretch. Right. I don't know if you recall. Stretch was with Tupac. Right. When Tupac got shot in the lobby. Right. At Unique Recording uh, or whatever recording studio that was. Right. Stretch was the one that was with Tupac. A year later, Stretch was killed. Exactly a year to the date that Pac had gotten shot. And rumor has it it was, you know, uh, supposedly revenge because they thought Stretch had set Tupac up, which I know isn't true. Stretch loved Pac. But anyway, these are the people that, and I, you know, unfortunately, that, that master tape. I'm going to say, where is that tape? I don't know tape? where it's yeah. at. Yeah. <laughs> that tape gets unearthed, well, man. When they, sold the, when, when they sold the studio, they sold that two-inch tape, and chances is, Whoever got that two-inch tape just wiped the tape and reused the tape. Oh, didn't even realize hell what no. was going on. Damn it. I guarantee you that's a million-dollar recording. Wow. That's a million-dollar recording because that combination and the fact that three of those individuals are no longer alive right. but are legends in pop and somewhat um, even stretch. And, and then, of course, you know, Nas. And Nas has his like three, four hundred million dollar deal with Mass Appeal now and doing documentaries for Showtime. So, yeah, that tape would be amazing if if it was, to, you know, to pop up somewhere. But oh, man, um, that would be. Well, something. I don't it, it may not even be after a while. Those tapes they degenerate, um, right? They get oxidized. Yeah. yeah, they get oxidized, but they have a. a system called baking and you know if they if they were able to find that tape it might be able to be baked enough for the audio they got all kind of new stuff now to maybe convert it digitally and remaster it or something but these are the the things that went on at power play studios which is why i spent 90 percent of my career once i got there once davy introduced me to power play studios and molly mall taught me uh some tricks about sampling although i rarely sampled um it was good to know about uh using it because i use samples to create new sounds like when i did sparky d's record of the answer to roxanne uh sparky turned roxanne you through I combined combined a bunch of different sounds to create that loud snare sound that ended up being on her record. And, um, you know, being around DJ Doc, Patrick Adams, uh, Julian Hertzfeld, uh, my first engineer that I worked with at Power Play was a kid named Alan Scott Plotkin, who ended up 
becoming a pretty famous engineer. He wasn't famous at the time, but I, I learned from all of these people about engineering and learning about engineering made me a better producer and becoming a better producer made me a better writer. And so all of these things built up and uh, made me the writer, producer that I am today. And I'm about to come out with uh, probably one more album. Oh, man. Like a That's farewell awesome. hip-hop album. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to do it because I wanted to show the journey from the points that we were just talking about to where I am now 40 some odd years later. It's like I've grown so much as a person, right? as well as a musician slash producer slash engineer that I wanted to show that growth in one final album and leave the new generation with that as a lasting legacy because, you know, with COVID and all of this stuff, you just never know when your last day is. No, that's that's very true. And that's a smart idea, man. Any idea when that might come out? I mean, have you already worked on it? What's the progress with that, you said? I know there's usually a freeze put on music by Halloween where, you know, radio's not going to play any new music until after New Year. So if I'm not finished by October the 1st, it's probably not going to come out until January 1st. Definitely looking forward so to that. By October 1st, by October 1st of 2022 or after January 15, 2023 is the target date that I'm looking at. Um, I have all of my, I don't have to go into a recording studio now. I do everything in-house. I don't have to leave my bedroom to record. That's a great thing now. With recording. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can come out with recording recording studio quality work right out of my bedroom. You know, I had to learn all of this stuff. And again, I, I want to show what I've learned in one final studio album. And uh, we'll see where it goes. You know, I just did something with my son and his partner, this record called Rappers Are In Danger. And it's a, it's a departure for a normal Spider-D record. First of all, I'm I'm on it with two other people. So I've really done a group thing, right? if at all. I've always been solo. So I'm holding up the rear on Rappers Are In Danger. I'm, I'm the last verse. <laughs> or the headliner, right? <laughs> and, I, and, and I'm cursing. Oh, there you, that's Enough different. I don't normally do. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I'm coming with a street vibe and a street feel because I, I, I got the reputation as, as mainly a dance party rapper. And I wanted to let people know I'm from the hood. I grew up in Hollis, New York, which is, you know, near South Jamaica, which is street, you know. And, you know, people used to look at Queens as soft as compared to Brooklyn, the Bronx, Manhattan, what have you. And Queens, we got some of the most notorious gangsters in the history of New York. No doubt. You know, including Fat Cat and the Corleys, you know, it's. I can I can go on and on. Every first of all, every city has gangsters, and it don't matter what part of the country you are, what part of you know Michigan, Detroit got all those gangsters. 
that they they I remember they had the group the Errol Flynn's. You know, it's gangsters everywhere. Right. You know, L.A. I lived in L.A. for like three years. Blood, Crips, it's, yo, it's gangsters everywhere. But I think the, the thing about hip-hop is it was born out of... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kids not having an outlet, so stealing electricity from a light pole to, to hook up your turntables and speakers. You know, again, it was born out of necessity. They didn't have any place else. So, you know, let's let's hijack the electricity from the city's light pole and uh, let's have an instant party that would, you know, draw people from miles around as soon as they hear those big earthquake speakers. Hip-hop is just, it's totally different than anything ever in music. And it's, of course, it's a multi-billion dollar industry now. And, you know, I'm, I, I, I can say that I've had my little part in helping it get there. I was even amazed. Somebody said, hey, did you know Prince sampled, speaking of Big Apple rapping, Prince sampled the beginning of Big Apple rapping, the part where I have the uh, street vendor saying, dollar fifty and two, selling his streetwear. And then I come in, New York, New York, this is the place to be. Anyway, somebody said, did you know Prince sampled the beginning of that? And I'm like, nah, you kidding wow sure enough i heard on i forget one of which record it was i gotta go look that but up yeah now. he started his record off with the beginning of big a- you know what who sampled who i think is is where i found it at that's a great site anytime they, you want to find something yeah yeah who sampled who i think they'll have that where prince sampled uh and it and it it even says it sampled from spider d uh new trait records big apple rapid so uh, you know, things like that, man, I, I would have never dreamed of uh, world-class musicians like Prince sampling little old me. That's crazy when you think about it. So, but he loved hip-hop, and he definitely had an appreciation 
for the the culture and the music. So he, that that's he, great. He is probably the most incredible musician. It's like to me, that's what Davy D is the prince of hip hop because Davy, like I say, Davy could pick up any instrument, and that's like Prince. Yeah, one man Except, band. Actually, you know, Davy might be Davy might be one step over. Like, I don't know if Prince could get on the on the turntable uh, diggy, right? diggy, diggy, diggy. I don't... <laughs> Probably not. Maybe. He might surprise us. So Davey, <laughs> so Davey might have one up on him, you know? Well, but um, We know Prince can ball. Yeah, man. <laughs> he used to play basketball back in the day, so we know that much. <laughs> yo, I heard he... They, yo, they said he was nice, and he's about... He's shorter than me. Right. Probably had but a good handle said, to yo, shoot. with the rock. Yeah. Yo, they said he had handles out of this world and could shoot. And that was kind of like me. Yeah. I just, you know, I wish I had his uh, guitarmanship. <laughs> right? But uh, rest in peace, Prince. Man, he's a legend. And One of the all time. Thank you for sampling me, Prince. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame, man. But, you know, we lost so many legends. None of man. us live, none of us, none of us are going to be here forever. So, you know, we got to give these people. We got to get people their flowers while they're still here. So Without hopefully when I get this album done, I can get some flowers while I'm still here. Um, it would be nice, not for my own ego, but because because of knowing the sacrifice that my mom and her mother made for me when I was first starting out, um, it would be nice. It would put a smile on my face to know that I was appreciated because of the the confidence and the belief that they placed in me. That's really, in fact, now that I say that, it's going to be a hip hop album, but I may name it for you, mom. That's in fact, there it is. You just heard oh, it. Oh man, exclusive. Man, big up Spider D. I am naming my last hip hop album for you, mom. What a trip. In honor man. of Mother's Day. That's right. Mother's it's coming Day up. Yeah. Weekend. See? So that really hits home. And you know what? And this is even sad to say. It was on Mother's Day 2010, the last time that I saw my mother alive. She passed away the very next day oh, after wow. Mother's Day. So Mother's it was day. almost as if she was saying, I'm going to hang on for us to have just one more Mother's Day because 6 o'clock the next morning I got the call that um, she had passed. So, man. wow, that's a lot. Yeah, my so, condolences, you man. But definitely, you're right. You, mom. Perfect. That's gonna be the last title of the last Spider D hip hop album. Man, hopefully it'll be out by October first. Hopefully, if not, it'll have to wait until January fifteenth or maybe Martin Luther King Day. Right. And everybody listening, you know, go cop that when it comes out. Give this man his flowers and, uh, yeah, the, the legacy of your mother and everything she's done for you and the support she gave, everything. That's that's an awesome title, man. And, I, and I'll and i be releasing it on Newtroit. Oh. Because I do. That's I have great. revived Newtroit, and I have my own distribution worldwide, and I will release it on Newtroit, and um, that'll be it. That'll be all she wrote, and I hope everyone enjoys it. It's going to be, and I may, uh, I may, no, not may, I will have a few instrumentals on there, you know, for kids to 
to there put their go. own raps over it. You know, like they used to back in the days. Right. You know, they'll be able to take the music and cut it back and forth and put their own rap over it. Title title it to whatever they want to title it for a new song. Um so yeah, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna take it back to the roots and pay tribute to the people that were there for me, including my mother, including the Molly Malls, the DJ Molly Malls and the DJ Davy DMXs of the world. And um, you know, hopefully everybody will enjoy it and have fun with it. And you'll be able to dance to it. You'll be able to vent to it. You'll be able to do a lot of things to the music because that's how variant or how various the tracks will be. Man, that is something to look forward to without a doubt. And I, I can't wait to hear this, man. You got me geeked. Now I know the title of it. That was part one of my interview with Spider D. Let's take a quick break to a sponsor read from Athletic Greens. And then we'll get right back into my conversation with Spider D here on the Infinite Banter Podcast. Yeah, yeah. What's up? This is your boy, the legendary Cool Rock Ski from the legendary Fat Boys. I'm here on Infinite Banter. And we're going to rock the house. Yes, sir. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted more energy and wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've been trying to stop drinking coffee and pop and needed something every morning to help kickstart the day, get a little more healthier at the same time. And I also wanted to see what the hype for Athletic Greens is all about. I've been on it for a couple weeks and I really do love it. It's, it's great stuff. And it's kind of a tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. I'm excited to tell friends, family members, and now my listeners about AG1 Athletic Greens and how it has helped me to begin a healthy way to start the day. So what is it exactly? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all that. And here's what's great about Athletic Greens. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good. It supports better sleep quality, recovery, which is all key for me being a father of a toddler. And you can't beat the price. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is recommended by professional athletes. Not to mention, Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Yo, what's really good, y'all? I am Ulysses, 305 to the 905, Mr. Day to the Dot, Saga Side from High Lear, you already know. Much love to DJ Soundway and the Infinite Fancer Podcast. Tap in, tune in, let's go! Let's get back into my interview with Spider D here on the Infinite Banter Podcast. We haven't even scratched the surface on all the stuff he's about to talk about. So let's get back into it. Spider D, Infinite Banter Podcast. Let's go. This is incredible, man. Spider D's got a new album coming out. Everybody listening, get geeked for this. It's not 
It's not something to overlook. This is exciting news, man. And you know, you're talking about sampling before it. I remember one of the first songs I heard back in '86 here in Chicago was that "I Can't Wait" joint. I didn't even know who New Shoes was. I never even heard that that record, <laughs> so I didn't know anything about it. I heard yours first. Uh, talk about that record and. Um, did you ever have any interaction with that group? Did they ever come to you like, hey, you're sampling our song? What was that like doing that song? News item wasn't sampled. That record, first of all, that was one of the few records I didn't produce. Gotcha. That was produced by Eric Matthews, who was the producer for the Disco Four. And he actually played everything. He didn't sample it. He recreated that sound and played it on a keyboard. Wow. And then I had DJ Doc come in and scratch over it, and I wrote the lyrics. But that was how that record came about. I was on Profile Records, and uh, label head Corey Robbins called me and asked me, did I want to do it? So... You know, I'm a baseline guy, and I like that baseline for new shoes. So I agreed to come in and do the record. But they actually played that on the keyboard, and um, that was how that record came about. I didn't know whether they had sampled it or not until I saw Eric when I came into the studio. I forgot what studio they were called. The studio out in Long Island that I went to... Uh, and like I said, Eric had done, uh, he had had success before with the Disco Four. I think uh, We're at the Party was one of their big songs that that used a, a nice, uh, I forgot the recording they used, but I thought that was sampled too, but it wasn't. A, a, a thing that people don't realize about sampling is they, the most, the longest time of sampling on most of the early machines may have been like four or five seconds, which is not a lot of time. No. It's, it's, there's a machine that they did come out with called the Publison. It's a French-made sampling machine, and you could sample like 20-something seconds on a Publison. But guess what? A Publison costed $25,000. Oh, wow. Jeez. Not everybody was running out to go buy a no. Publison because they couldn't afford it. So, um, you know, it, it's sampling now is like I own uh, the machine. Uh, it's called a machine studio. And you could sample like like a whole hook line on it if you wanted to now. Um, but, you know, that's that's new technology. But back then. You really didn't have that much sampling time. And, uh, you know, it's sort of like Sugar Hill Gang. Uh, their band played Freedom when Flash and them did Freedom. That wasn't sampled. They played it. Right. Um, you, you had some groups. You had some bands that could recreate sounds very closely. And although people might have thought it was a sample or flat scratching the record back and forth no it was the band you know i just read somewhere recently where flash isn't actually on any of those grandmaster flash and the furious five records those are bands playing that's the sugar hill band playing right freedom that's crazy 
Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. Speaking of which, shout out to my man, K. Creole. I'm sorry, my brother, that you got caught up in the situation that ended up causing someone else their life. But K. Creole is not the biggest gentleman in the world. Living in crazy New York, felt like he had to protect himself. And uh, unfortunately, in protecting himself, someone lost their life. Right. So we kind of lost two lives because now K. Creole has got to spend the twilight of his life in jail. And it's, uh, yeah. it's extremely unfortunate. Yeah. But this is this is what we rap about. We rap about growing up and living in the inner cities as African-American males and females and strifes and struggles. You know, ironically. One of their biggest records, it's like a jungle sometimes, makes me wonder how I keep from going under. And here this man is, he lived it. He literally lived it. He had to pull out a knife to protect himself because it's like a jungle in New York. Some Everybody's always after something, trying to stick you up, rob you, rip you off. And he felt that's the situation he was in and he protected himself. So, yes, it's like a jungle sometimes, man. man they were speaking and that truth, and he lived it, unfortunately. Yeah. And, but you know what? Hip-hop has saved a lot of lives. That's true. It definitely saved mine. Hip-hop saved my life. So hip-hop has saved a lot of lives, you know, and there's obviously been some lives taken because of hip-hop in the Biggie Tupac saga. I'll say this, man. Whatever you're living, um, try to make it better without making it worse. And I say that it's like selling drugs and robbing people might be a quick way to money, but the chances is it's going to end unless you're going to do something one time, get away with it and call it a day, but that rarely happens. But this is what we live in in a city. And this is what a, a lot of these songs and rap records are made about of growing up and, and, and stuff you deal with in life. And it reminds me of country music. I don't think country musicians and hip-hop musicians realize how close they are. When I listen to country songs, I'm hearing hip-hop with a a, a, a guitar twang. That's all it is to me. <laughs> right. Because they're telling stories. They're telling stories like hip-hop artists are they're just doing it with country music i mean you could take a lot of country music songs and throw a beat up under it and have somebody rap those same lyrics and you got an instant hip-hop hit. <laughs> who would have thought right you could take some garth brooks record and turn it into <laughs> a hip-hop classic right <laughs> yo i guarantee you it'd probably be number one Matter of fact, you know, I'm going to do that today. Oh, there we go. See? I'm going to do that today. I'm going to listen to Garth Brooks today, and I'm going to take one of his songs and throw a beat up on it and rap it. I'm going to be like that kid, uh, what is it, Little Nas X. There you go. You know? Garthy D. I'll throw a cowboy hat on. There you go. <laughs> Garthy D in the place to be. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? Speaking of taking but, a... Know, this is how music is. Yeah. Well, speaking of taking a record and flipping it, you kind of made me think of Walk This Way, because that's kind of what that is. That's some gibberish that, I mean, I'm a white dude, and I don't even know what Aerosmith's talking about. So when Run DMC takes it, and they flip it, and they turn it into a hip-hop song, and, you know, you were talking about profile but records. You know what? Yeah. 
but you know what? A lot of people don't realize Jam Master Jay always wanted to do that. Right. Jam Master Jay, because he liked that. He used to cut that. A lot of DJs used to cut that. Part right, that breakbeat. That Aerosmith record. Right. Yeah, and they thought like, yo. So finally, it was like, yeah, let's do that. But then Rick Rubin, to give him credit, Rick said, well, let's, why not? Let's get Aerosmith to do the record with us. <laughs> Brilliant idea, Rick. Yeah. Brilliant idea. No wonder you're a billionaire now. <laughs> Brilliant idea. But I was a little upset that Rick gets all the credit for the whole Run DMC rock meets rap thing when, no, y'all forget Rockbox. That was Larry Smith. I was in the studio oh, yeah, Larry when they did. recorded it. Man. I was with them that night. That's crazy. Larry... Run and D didn't have the greatest night lyrically. Larry was a little pissed. He wasn't happy. Russell was on the couch sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was it was me, Rick Rubin, Larry Smith, Russell, Run and D, and engineer extraordinaire Roddy Huey and uh, Green Street Recording Studio. So Larry wasn't happy. And Larry's a bass player by nature. So the anger Larry was feeling ended up becoming boom, 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 boom. Larry just started chopping that on his bass. And he said, yo, 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 let's record this. Yo, one of the most hellish bass lines in hip hop history. Ever, yeah. And, and, and Rick broke out his guitar. Rick put the original guitar on that. It didn't stay. They ended up getting uh, the dude from... Uh, yeah, what's the guy's uh, Latin uh, cat with the fro, right? So what's his name? Big guitar player. Yeah, he was on uh, King what of Rock, too. I'm trying to remember player. his name. But uh, yeah, he did He did guitar yeah, work, right? Yeah, man. They ended up getting him to, to relay... Uh, Rick had a whole different type of guitar line that he had put on it. But like I say, that didn't stay. They ended up putting this other guy. But that's where they started doing that whole rock meets rap thing. Uh, it was before, you know, Rockbox started all of that. It was before Aerosmith. But, you know, as the powers would be, would have it. Rick gets credit for it. But that was truly Larry Smith's genius of an idea. Larry's, and uh, I was fortunate enough to be there. Oh, yeah. Larry Smith with, with Houdini and night. so much. Yeah, he was so influential, man. He is one of the all-time greats. Rest in peace, Larry Smith, man. And I learned a lot from Larry because Larry used to live right literally down the block from my grandmother, the same grandmother that encouraged me to become the musician and artist that I did. Uh, Larry lived right down the block, Hollis, Queens, 188th Street. And uh, Larry was, uh, you know, Larry was, you know, like when he went to record Houdini, they went overseas. All right, because you know, Jive. Jive Records had their own. Right. Yeah, they had their own studios in England, so they went overseas. But Larry kind of laid out, he kind of demoed some of that stuff to himself first, and he let me hear it. Larry used to let me hear a lot of stuff before. Like I heard, I heard Tucker MCs. Before they recorded it. Wow. I heard the original demo from Larry's house. Yeah, Larry and I were close. Of course, I met Larry through Russell 
but I love Larry like a brother. I used to visit him even after he had his stroke. I used to go and visit him um, at his hospice, and he, he couldn't really talk, per se, but we communicated. We had a way of communicating, and I love that man to death to this very day because of what he meant to hip-hop and uh, the big brother that he was to all of us, to me and Run and D. And I've told this story on Facebook and a bunch of places about me opening for Run DMC the night they did the disco fever. And we were in Larry's famous uh, Cadillac. Oh, the one they're talking about. That's crazy, man. (laughs) Man, what year was this? Like 83, right? That had to be 84. Okay. So you, it was you and then Run DMC? And anybody else in that minute, show? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me see. Okay, Smurfies came out. No, that was 83. That okay. was 83. Okay. It was uh, May. 9th. Matter of fact, I, remember, I can tell you the exact date. Here we go. May 6th, 1983. You said May 6th? May. Yeah, May 6th, 1983. It's May 6th today as I'm talking to you. So this is crazy. <laughs> We're talking almost. Oh, you kidding. <laughs> You're right. It's oh, almost exactly... How many years? Oh, my God. See? So, 39 years ago today. Right. Oh, my God. I'm glad you said that. Telling you, man. Because, you know, I just I just, I just, just posted on my Facebook page, I just posted the picture that I took that night. Well, by then, it was May 7th, because it was like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right. By the time you guys, yeah, <laughs> finished. The fever, the fever don't even start getting, we didn't even... Man, we didn't even come on stage till like three o'clock in the morning. So it was May seventh, technically, right, or officially, however you want to word yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah. know, cause <laughs> the, the fever ain't nothing jumping off in the fever till after one, two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you got there at eight or nine, you're standing a long time. <laughs> yeah, we we got there. Now we got there. It was after midnight when we got there because. Uh, we had shows in other places. I was I was technically Run was making in New York. This was like their New York debut. They had just got back from doing shows down south. Um, you know, because Russell wanted them to to work on their skills before hitting the New York crowd. And this was pre Jam Master Jay. Jay wasn't in the group yet. Um, they they were operating without a DJ. It was just basically throw the record on and they or the instrumental on and. Wow. And they were rap over. That's just crazy to think about. Yeah, this was yeah, when we did the fever thirty nine years ago today, there was no Jam Master Jay. Jay was not even in the building. And I rode around with running D and Larry. Wow, it's amazing that I'm glad you said that, man. Today is thirty nine <laughs> years ago. Wow. You gotta do a poster, yeah. Obviously that definitely is gonna hit um, you all day today. So yeah, you know, it's me, D, Larry and you know, they weren't in leather yet. They had on plaid jackets and Kango hats. Right. Yeah, the look was different, right? Totally different. You know, uh, LL ended up wearing Kangos because he, LL Run was his idol. You know, LL, when LL first signed with Rush and Def Jam, again, something I was there for in person and witnessed with my own two eyes. You know, L was wearing a Kango because, you know, Run used to wear that Kango. That's crazy. 
So, yeah, man, it's, it's... Well, back in the days, man, you know, the hats that running them ended up wearing. Russell tried to get me to use that as my trademark. You didn't want to do it? I used to wear those hats. Oh, I got you. Nah, because I used to wear a bunch of different hats. I wore Applejack. Oh, okay. I wore Kangos. You know, I like to wear hats. You switched it up. And when Russell... Yeah, when Russell saw me wear that hat, he said, yo, you should you should wear that. That should be your trademark. I said, Russell, I like to wear a lot of different hats. So I rejected it. <laughs> Dumb idea. Dumb. The times when I should have listened to Russell, I didn't. But it worked out because he he told he told his uh, brother and them. He said, yeah, you know, I think Jay wore those hats sometimes as well. Um, so they adopted that as their trademark and along with the leather, the leather suits. Um, but this night at the fever, 39 years ago today. It's crazy. I would kill to go back in a time machine and watch that show, dude. I would love to go back and see that. I would. That would be crazy. Man, I was so nervous because, you know, the fever is a tough crowd, man. Yeah. Larry scared the hell out of us that night. Yo, man, y'all better not be whack. Oh, Yo, a couple of weeks ago, New Edition, New Edition was there. When This is when they were little kids. I was going to say, you can't have little kids do better yeah. than you, right? <laughs> no, they were actually weren't that good. That oh, night. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> they damn near started a riot. I don't know something wrong with the mics or something, but it was candy cat. Uh, Ralph was was like, you know, I don't know if they had been working too much or what, but voice wasn't coming over well. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And they started wilding at the fever. Tough crowd, <laughs> and man. And they damn near started a riot. Oh. So Larry, Larry told us about that. He said, yo, y'all better not be whack, man. New edition in was whack a couple of weeks ago. And yo, they almost tore the place up. So now I'm like, yo, Larry. I'm sitting in the front with Larry and D and runners in the back. I'm like, yo, Larry, chill, man. You scaring him. He said, yo, I'm just telling y'all. <laughs> so like there, a coach. <laughs> there's, this, there's this famous picture of me on stage performing at the fever that night. And you could see the look on Run's face. He's standing behind me on stage. And he looks nervous. But Run was always nervous. Before every show, Run was nervous. But that's just him. So it was funny, man. It was funny. I was nervous as hell. 
because I got to come on before them. Right. Then I thought about it. I'm like, Smurfy Dan is a smash in this club. So what the hell am I nervous about? Exactly. Sure enough, as soon as they throw the record on and the hand claps start off, crowd goes nuts. Tap, 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 tap. So I'm like, you know, doing my little smurf for the intro and the crowd's going crazy. So now my confidence is up. If you look on Facebook, you'll see this picture. And Ron is looking down at the stage and he's looking like he's getting ready to go before an executioner squad. Oh, because that's how nervous he was always right. before every show. Even when they were at the peak and the hottest group in the world. He's just nervous before a show. And I did a lot of shows with Run and D um, because Sparky D, after her big hit, she was on the road. She was always on shows with them all over the country. And I would open for her and she would open for them. It was like, you know, one big family. Man. And, um, of course, running them killed it that night. Um, but the show, the first show we did, was really wasn't a show. It was like a a press release thing that Russell had set up for Run and D. And there was no stage because it was like a supper club. And the crowd wasn't a hip-hop crowd. It was an after-dinner crowd of basically grown people that really wasn't into hip-hop. One of the few mistakes Russell made as a manager. Uh-huh. It was just a bad look. It wasn't the place for any of us to be performing. So anyway, Run DMC is performing. It's like that. Again, no Jam Master J. It was just the DJ threw the record down on the instrumental and they performed it live. So anyway, these glasses fell off. Oh no. And the lens came out and the crowd is amused at all of this. So <laughs> we get into Larry's car, and Larry's lighting into them and me. Yo, y'all better not be whack when we get to the fever, blah, 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 blah. So fortunately, we had to go to another, we had to go do a roller skating rink before hitting the fever. And Larry let me open for them at the roller skating rink, which was apropos because, you know, I'm doing uh, Smurfy's Dance, which was a big roller skating rink record. So I did Smurfy's Dance, and as my song is fading out, I'm getting the crowd hyped for Run DMC, and I'm making them call, um, who do y'all want to see next? I'm making the crowd chant, Run DMC. So running them was hyped for this, because I had the crowd hyped for them. That's what's up. And they tore it up. Man. They tore it up. So they got their confidence back up from the, the press release fiasco. And um, it's just a night that I'll never forget. It's a day, not yeah. a night, or that entire day. Right. I remember it like it was yesterday. And to me, it was the birth of the legends that are now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Man. That night, that day, launched their indoctrination into Rock and Roll Hall of Fame status. And uh, hip hop in the stratosphere right uh, after that. I mean, it's just everywhere. After I get off the phone with you, I'm going to try to reach out to DMC. Oh, and, man. Uh, you guys should definitely. Him, yeah. I'm a, and him and Run. I'm a, as a matter of fact, I'm going to reach out to them on Twitter and send them a picture of that night and tell them 
my brothers, 39 years ago today, we did this. Just historic. Yep, I'm going to do that right now as soon as we get yeah, off Yeah, man. <laughs> I should let you go and do that and maybe hit up Sal, too, right? You know, the fever. Talk about that, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just amazing. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've seen Sal. Sal, like I said, they did a fever reunion a few years back that Sal invited me to. And I brought, and irony of all irony, I brought Larry Smith Jr. on stage with me. That's crazy. Wow. I brought Larry's son on stage with me because he's a, a great MC himself in his own right. And so that was full circle for me at the fever reunion, bringing Larry Smith Jr. on stage with me. Just that's so that like you nice. said, full circle, bringing it all ahead. You know, Larry's there at the beginning and his son is there with the reunion that's that's awesome and it, you're making me think of crush groove were you was there ever a chance you're going to be in that movie or how did what happened with that because a lot of the stuff you're talking yeah, about i feel like yeah. they're recreated in in uh crush groove like a dummy i turned down oh damn because i was uh the producers and the directors had actually they loved my screen test and they wanted me to i actually read for the part of russell the part ended up being played by Blair Underwood. Right. They loved my screen test. But from what I hear, Curtis wanted to be that part. They wanted Curtis to be Curtis. They wanted Curtis to be himself. Curtis wanted to play the part of Russell. So they ended up saying, you know what? We're going to get this kid, Blair Underwood, this Hollywood actor. He's going to play Russell. We're not going to have a rapper play Russell. So I got pissed at that. And my alternative part, I don't know if you remember the movie, but the opening car wash scene, they oh. wanted me to have a little brief <laughs> right. speaking part at the car wash scene, and I rejected it. Uh. So I wasn't in the movie at all. Oh, man. That was so stupid. I, as iconic as that movie is, right. is I, I should have just been happy just to be in it. But I wasn't. I was mad because I was no longer going to be considered for the lead part and so i wasn't in it at all yeah although man. one of my girls from the playgirls from sparky's group the playgirls Moski was in it she was in the scene with prince monkey d guy rest his soul and uh the fat boys she was in it in the uh biology class cutting up the frog scene. oh yeah right. um yeah that was that was uh Sparky's group, and they didn't let Sparky be in it either because they said she was too pretty. Which all that Tripoli pissed me. That doesn't off. make any sense. <laughs> so that was, yeah, it didn't make any sense, and I, I, I thought it was a lot of uh, politics going on. So that's why I didn't want to be in the movie at all. I got pissed and didn't right. want to be in the movie at all. Right. But that was you speaking. Yes. Because if I knew what I knew now, I, I'd have been in the movie. If I was a pencil eraser in the movie, I should have been in it. <laughs> right, because you had like LL and even the Beastie Boys doing cameos in there, and you could have easily, you know, they could. Well, I, I knew, I knew LL was going to become a star. I told LL right. that night we were leaving the premiere. I told LL then, I said, "Yo, bro, hang on to your hat because you are about to become a superstar." And sure enough, that movie launched. As much as it did for Run DMC, that movie launched LL into 
what is now his 13th year on NCIS Los Angeles. Right. He became a movie star. He became a movie star behind being in that little cameo. Oh, the yeah, the box part. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. Legendary. That, that launched his TV career. And if I'd have been not been so hot headed and thinking about long term career moves, I should have took that little car wash scene and been happy with it. But you know, one of the biggest mistakes of my career. <laughs> I didn't mean to that. bring it down, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, it, it, it's I deserved that. Yeah, I got you. Stupid. It was very stupid on my part. You know, I should have, I should have took that little part. If it wasn't but 30, 40 seconds, a minute in, into the movie and only lasting for a minute, that's a minute into immortality. And I should have took it, but I didn't. So that's the benefit that of foresight, dumb. man. You know, looking back, you know, 40 years later, of course, you could look at it differently. But at the moment when you're talking about Absolutely. it, you know, at the moment, at the time, Absolutely. Yeah, you and Sparky should have been in it. Absolutely. They were kind of giving you guys, you know, you know, not quite the treatment you guys deserved, of course. Well, one thing I will say that I learned through all of that is that politics is everywhere. That's true. Politics is in hip hop. It's in everything. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, oh, I'm Spider D and da 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 Didn't mean anything. And I didn't understand that then. Didn't mean anything that I was Spider D. You know, I was just another rapper in the world of hip hop. But I didn't look at it like that. And and I let my ego get in the way of doing something that was beneficial to my career. Without a doubt. But we all know so, how influential you, you, you are. Learn. Yeah. You live and you learn. No, no doubt, man. What counts is in, in the actual real world, not the Hollywood world. You were there at the beginning of this thing. Classic albums, live shows, you know, profile, all this stuff. I mean, it's just incredible. And I'm just saluting you right now. I'm just more than honored that you came on and gave me some of your time here. And I'm all, all my listeners are listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Spider D it broke some exclusive uh, <laughs> news on here. You got an album coming out here. He told you the title of it, man, May 6th, 1983 classic day, man, Spider D. I, I can't, give you more than props. This is a big salute for coming on here, man. This has been a big honor for me. Well, I appreciate it. And I want y'all to look out for, uh, I hate being black, which is a tribute to what African Americans have had to go through throughout time. And to this very day, as far as discrimination in business, life, music, everything, and uh, obviously, blacks are not the only ones discriminated against. Gays, uh, lesbians, uh, Asian Americans, you know, it's it's a part of life, you know, even amongst Caucasians, you know, when they were cavemen. If you were a blonde-haired caveman, you were discriminated against by the dark-haired caveman. So it's differences are always going to separate human beings unfortunately but the one thing that i am proud to be as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply is a part of hip-hop which brings all of the people of this earth, no matter what color or race or gender or sexual preference. Hip-hop has brought all of us together, and I hope it continues to do so. And thank you for allowing me time to tell my story. Oh, without a doubt. And that's not even like a chapter in your story, but we definitely got a lot there and uh, bring us all together to do the Smurf dance. I'm going to, you know, Spider-D, I got to look it up and see if I could do it. I don't think I can, but I'll try. <laughs> in honor of you, man, and, and definitely look up that picture you're talking about with the Fever, the Club Fever pick with Run and D in the background. And Man, I hope you get a chance to talk to those yeah, guys getting, and reminisce. I'm getting ready to repost it. Oh, awesome. I'm going to repost it now, and I'm going to send it directly to Run and D and Larry Smith Jr., and I appreciate the time, my man. Take care of yourself. Yeah, no doubt. And let people know how they could follow you online, by the way, if they want to reach out and, and see some of these pictures you're talking about. And, and, and when you release the album, how they can uh, get word. I mean, I'll talk about it, but they can follow you on Instagram. I know you're on there. Uh, anywhere else? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at capital S-P-Y-D-E-R capital D at Spider D. And that's where I'm about to go and post the uh picture that was taken 39 years ago this very day with run dmc at the disco fever and um all of y'all be safe out there and thank you for the love man big up spider d here on the infinite banter podcast big salute and can't wait to see the new music coming out and that picture about the post man nothing but respect mad appreciate your time spider d all right you be safe my brother you too man big big up to spider d that was just a. Uh... You know, that's one of those interviews where I don't really need to do much. I just throw a couple of quick, you know, softballs down the middle and just let him go at it and just kick back and listen. <laughs> There's not a whole lot I, can, I need to say. You know, I wasn't there. This, this is not my story to tell. It's about what he wants to say. And I really appreciate him taking the time, giving me almost 90 minutes of just hip-hop history there. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely look forward to what he's doing next and the album he's talking about working on and coming out soon. Definitely follow him online. He, he posts some cool pictures about the times he had back in the day at Club Fever and stuff like that. And after I talked to Spider-D, I had to look up a couple things. He mentioned a lot of things in there that I needed to look up, and he was talking about, for one, who played guitar on Rockbox and then King of Rock, and I couldn't remember the guy's name. He couldn't remember his name. It's Eddie Martinez. And if you've seen the videos, he's the guy, he's standing on top of a car with a guitar and got the big hair and everything. So if you've seen the videos, you know who he is. It's pretty obvious. And of course, you could hear it in the song. But yeah, he's a, a cat that I, I just realized he played with Blondie. Like he's he's a legend in the game. So salute to Eddie Martinez. I feel bad I didn't remember his name. And also, Spider-D mentioned that Prince had sampled him. So I looked it up, and you know, Who Sampled Who is a great website. I've never been on it. Definitely go check it out. But on Prince's song, If I Was Your Girlfriend, which is a big song, I and mean, most people know that track, the very beginning, he samples um, some dialogue that's at the beginning of Big Apple Rappin' from Spider-D. 
It's really quick. You got to listen to it and catch it. It's in the first five seconds of actually both songs. So go on that site. You can check it out or just go check out, you know, Spider D on YouTube. Go follow him on there and you can check out that track, Big Apple Rapping. So he talked about at the end there a track he made, a very recent song actually called I Hate Being Black. So we're going to play that song. Very important for the times we're living in, everything that's been going on. Very good message in here, so definitely pay attention. So here's Spider D, DJ K Wiz remix of I Hate Being Black on the Infinite Banter Podcast.
What up, y'all? This is Acrobatic. You know, I possess the inhuman capabilities, and right now I'm dropping the infinite banter with my homeboy DJ Soundwave. Check him out, y'all. Hey, when you're done listening to this podcast right here, the Infinite Banter Podcast, go check out my guys, my friends over at the Reddit on Wiki Podcast. Uh, oh my God, John, were you up on Wikipedia all night? John, are you okay? You're you're shaking. You guys, you will not believe what I just read on Wiki. Welcome to Reddit on Wiki, the poorly researched, semi-funny podcast on random stuff we find on the internet. Who are you talking to? And why are you shaking so much? Subscribe to Reddit on Wiki on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Sean, I'm scared. Me too, buddy. Me too. Hey, you guys. It's Tommy McLaughlin. Well, some of you know me as Tom McLaughlin, writer-director of Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. Mark... You are the man. Keep on doing what you do, and we're going to keep on listening. Thanks, dude. Time for you to leave, assholes. That is Kirk Azevedo telling me to get the hell out of here, and that is exactly what I'm going to do. But as always, before you know, he puts the foot on my ass and tells me to get out, I got a couple quick things. I had mentioned at the beginning that I saw Dexter New Blood, the, the most recent series, basically taking the show, bringing it back, and kind of undoing the ending that a lot of people didn't like. And it reminded me of A Tribe Called Quest, and you're probably like, how can you connect those two? Because there really, there's nothing really about them that's similar. It's about a guy who's a serial killer who kind of a vigilante, and they're a legendary hip-hop group that has nothing to do with singing about murder or rhyming about murder or nothing like that. So here's why it reminded me of it. Because Dexter ended, I don't remember what year it was, let's just call it 10 years ago, whatever it was, and it just kind of stopped... Nobody was really, you know, happy with just how it seemed to end. And it, it was a very empty feeling. It felt like there was more to come. You could have done more with this. You could have had another season, something to wrap it up better. And it just kind of felt like it was unfinished, like there was more more to do. And that's why it reminds me of Tribe Called Quest. That last album, The Love Movement, I'm not saying it was bad. I'm not saying the Dexter finale was bad either. It just kind of felt unfulfilling, like it needed more and you kind of were waiting for years and years, and you kind of gave up on the idea that there would ever be anything else new from Dexter or from Tribe. And in 2016, we got a new Tribe album, and it kind of made everything right. It kind of was an ending that we needed. It was the the way to complete them as a group, complete their catalog. It just tied everything up perfectly in a nice bow and made it a nice gift, and very unexpected, great gift. So same with this Dexter show. I thought I was done with it. I thought I would never watch it again, that they were never going to go back to it. And lo and behold, they had a new season, and they're like, look, you didn't like what happened, or you thought we could have done more. We're going to give you another season and kind of tie things up, literally, and bring it <laughs> bring it to a, a whole new way. You can remember the show and, and give you a different feeling about it. And there's a conclusion. I'm trying not to spoil it as best I can here, but we're, we're going to give the, the whole Dexter run a good finish, and I hope that it doesn't spoil that by saying it, because I'm not trying to insinuate anything, so don't take that as like, oh my god, you just ruined it. No, 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 just, they're just basically taking the whole series and giving it a better kind of like ending to it, 
where there could be more, possibly, but we don't know. So I like that. So maybe they do make another Dexter season. It'd be like the new Fife album, something you still didn't expect to happen, and there's still something coming. So that's why it reminded me of it, something I'm a big fan of. I thought we were done with it. I thought I would never see or hear from it again. And surprisingly, it showed up, and it was great. So big up to Dexter. Had a great time watching it. Watched 10 episodes in like three days. It's not the best thing in the world to do to watch that show before you go to sleep. I had some bad dreams one of the nights I did, but I have a two-year-old and I don't have a lot of time. So the only way I can watch it is staying up till one or two in the morning. It's not late for most people, but for me, that's very late. And just trying to knock out these 10 episodes before the free showtime ran out (laughs) the Monday after Mother's Day. So definitely go check it out if you're a fan. I think you'll be satisfied with it. I can nitpick it a lot, but I don't want to because I don't want to spoil anything. But definitely go check out Dexter New Blood. It's it's pretty cool. A lot of the old characters are in it. He's not a lumberjack necessarily like it ended, (laughs) but he's out in the woods doing his thing. So salute to Dexter and thanks for making me think about Tribe Called Quest in a good way. Something you love was gone, and it came back, and you were just really, really happy it did. So big up to Dexter New Blood. Go check it out if you get a chance. And also, big up to Spider-D. Man, it was so great having him come on the show. Everybody who was listening, go check him out. Follow him online. Look for his new stuff, and uh, check out his videos on YouTube. Follow this show on YouTube as well. Type in Infinite Banter. Rate and review the show on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts. Listen to it on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts and all streaming platforms. Follow the show on social media at Infinite Banter Podcast and check out the Spotify playlist as well. Before I go, I I can't end the show without acknowledging the passing of George Perez, uh, one of the great comic book artists and creators of all time. One of my favorites, Uh, Neil Adams actually passed away a couple weeks before, so we lost two big legends in the art of comic books and creation of comic book characters and such, and... Neil Adams was known for Batman, and George Perez did DC and Marvel, and he's known for those big splash pages where you'd have, like, almost every character against each other in a big battle scene. I almost feel like Endgame owes something to George Perez, because that last 15, 20 minutes, the, you know, the finale, the climax, and all the characters are on the screen. I remember thinking at the time, this feels like a George Perez two-page spread in a comic book on a movie screen, and it was just amazing. Got to meet him a couple times at the Wizard World Con. The first time I met him, I remember he was just getting some food, and I was hanging out, I think, with my friend Mario at the time. We were walking around. He's like, man, it's George Perez standing here, because he always wore those, like, Bahama shirts, those Hawaiian shirts, and uh, he's standing there. I'm like, I don't want to bother him. He's, you know, he's chilling right now. <laughs> like, I don't want to bug him. But he's like, no, no, you're never going to get him in a line. It's too long. And this is like 2006 or seven or something. I don't remember what year it was. But, but I had his book, Storyteller, with me because I wanted to go in his line. But I, I didn't get around to it at that point. And I was like, hey, what's up, George? And he's like, oh, what do you got there? I'll sign it for you. And he couldn't have been nicer. Just a great dude. I know another time I had him sign my Infinite Crisis where Superman's holding Supergirl when she passes. I mean, iconic image. Um, just just a great guy, and uh, it's really sad to see that he had passed, as well as uh, Neil Adams. So rest in peace to both, two comic book icons, and definitely everybody out there, go check out some George Perez art, some Neil Adams art, definitely reminisce about the great work they've done. Rest in peace. All right, I'm out of here. Big up to Spider-D, the one and only. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on here. And until I do another one of these, I'm out. Hey, asshole, get off the road. Being on the infinite banner with my man Mark has been a pleasure. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.